Hello and welcome back to all my darlings. We are working on The Collected Poems by Marguerite Young. And it hurts my educator's soul not to look into something. So I'd already uh, confessed that I'm not a real big poetry person. I like reading poetry aloud. If if I have to be involved with poetry, I you know, feel like it must be read aloud. Um, I found out that's a good thing. Like it's that's what's supposed to happen. Like just reading a poem isn't supposed to um, get you where you need to be. So of course um, I had to look up. Well, I didn't remember anything what I was supposed to learn in English literature about poetry, analyzing poetry. So of course I had to look it up, and I found something I really liked. Um, and it was the six steps for analyzing a poem. So the one is read the poem aloud, uh, which we're going to do. Unpack what the poem is about. Pay attention to the rhythm. Number four was really important for me because this was something that I never understood about poetry. Look for enjambment. Five, look for techniques. And six, consider the poetic form. So I thought this was, I looked up several sources, but I really liked this one. It's from Matrix Education. I guess there's a whole thing you could sign up for. but So read the poem aloud and look at the rhymes, which is kind of what happened. Um, and we're, we just, We've just done some of our earlier poems. So I figured street fires when the old women of Hawthorne Lane, so it's Lane, are sweeping now the streets again. I figured that because it's a rise, die, sweeps, keep, pyres, fires. So when I read it the second time, I did that. Um, unpack what the poem is about. Um, do look for pronouns and proper nouns. Follow the punctuation. Look for recurring images or symbols that are motifs. Pay attention to the rhythm. Uh, do try to try to discuss the meaning you find in rhythm. Okay, look for enjambment. I did not know this is called enjambment. When poetry is enjammed, when poetry is enjammed, one line seems to spill over into the next line because it is not capped by punctuation. Commonly, each line of a poem will finish with a punctuation mark like a common dash, column, so colon, semicolon, or period. Sometimes this isn't the case and it runs into the next line. This is called enjambment. Enjambment gives the appearance of the line flowing onto the next line. The contradiction is known as rejet. It is the tension between fragmentation or pause and the appearance of flow. This technique is used to draw attention to the meaning, object, or person in the lines. This often involves contradiction or contrast with the things that follow or thing or things that follow or precede it. So this answered an age-old question that I had of my not appreciating poetry in Little Fawn. Because in the poem Little Fawn uh, that we read the last episode uh she has this question can't you stay by yourself little fawn and that's the question but then she moves the question into the middle of the next stanza and i never i always thought each stanza should maybe start with a question i mean that would have been my way of organizing it you must not always be looking for your mother's tracks in the snow can't you stay by yourself little fawn will you never and never grow um steady enough to stand by yourself so this idea of enjambment that i or and reject. So it's in order to draw. What is it drawing your attention to? It is it foregrounding the object in the first line or the second line? 
Is it contrasting two ideas over two lines or is it representing the relationship between people or things? So uh, now I know what that is. I feel so much smarter now. Uh, five, look for techniques, simile, metaphor, motifs, repetition, rhyme, and slant rhyme. Six, consider the poetic form. Uh, haikus are with philosophy. We associate haikus with philosophy, sonnets with love, ballads with adventure. And I did read the sonnet last episode. Um, and it was over a woman who loved beauty and would buy it instead of bread. Instead of the necessities of life, uh, she bought things that were beautiful. And I like that one. So yeah, that was super helpful for me. I looked up some other stuff, but it wasn't as good as what I found in that matrix. So we will try, or I will try, to add some more Analysis. I want to be able to appreciate the poems. So we will try some of that. Okay, today we are going to read. <clears throat> These are longish poems. I think. I think I'm going to try and read three of them. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Ah, the Seeker. At night, while others slumbered noisily, he sat alone beside the kitchen table, intent on spreading postal cards in rows upon its patterned oilcloth surface as if he played a game of solitaire. Spent hours and hours peering through a glass at faded ancient picture postal cards, their edges frayed and torn with constant touch. And here would lie a haunting Grecian girl, and there are placid old cathedral spires, and here the clustered roofs of some walled town, and there a fleet of white-winged ships returning across the silver sea as smooth as glass, and castles perched on cliffs above the clouds, green marble fountains splashing streams of light, thin wayside crosses hung with wreaths of flowers, and Mont St. Michael rising from the mist, its towers and torrels mirrored in the waters, a whole array of distant lovely scenes, a teacher whom I worshipped as a lad gave all these postal cards to me, he said. He never had outgrown his first respect for that profession. There was childhood, too, in that fond way he had of looking up as eagerly, he told and wistfully. Her eyes were violet blue, her voice like bells. You know, I saved my every cent for years that I might go some day to see these scenes and walk the streets she used to tell about. Her hair was blue-black and her hands as wide as apple blossoms one would never touch. And once she told us how she saw one day outside a big cathedral's carved oak doors some ragged peasants who were roasting nuts they sold in packets to the passers-by. And if she were an artist, she would paint the colors of their rags. And when a boy who looked like some young god, you know, she wept the day my father came and cursed the school and said that I was needed on the farm. And afterwards, for years, I tried to learn the rules of English grammar by myself. I wanted still to go away out there, a world's out there, all beautiful. And she... He paused, then self-assured and competent, with just a little pensive air of pride. But then there was my son, a gentle lad, who could not bear the sight of drag or plow, and spent his days painting lovely flowers that he had never seen in all his life. 
and won a pearl-handled knife at school from the phrenologist who said he had the best-shaped head of any lad he knew. How could I bear to see my son spend youth in breaking stubborn land when there's a world out there beyond that row of dwarfed brown trees? It wasn't much, but all I'd saved I gave, that he might go away to study art in Paris, France, where all great men have been, and write to me descriptions of these scenes. How many years had passed since he had gone? He did not know. It was so long a time that he could not remember, scarcely cared. And although promised letters had not come, he mused, they had been lost somewhere at sea, for voyages are perilous and long, and some day they will come to me, I know. And still he plowed beneath a white-hot sun, and then each night when all his work was done, he sat before his postal cards and dreamed. So if you're familiar with Miss Macintosh, my darling, you understand that the knife that was won by the son, by the phrenologist that said he had the best-shaped head of any lad he knew, uh, that appeared, that scene appeared in uh, Miss Macintosh, my darling, where Miss Macintosh, her head was bald, and the phrenologist came to school, and he was expecting to give it to a boy, but then uh, touched, uh, saw and touched Miss Macintosh's head and said she had the best imagination. Uh, she would accomplish great things. So this is a really sentimental one. This I feel like it is something like somebody sits across from you and somebody tells you, a, you talk to somebody who's older and they just tell you a, a memory or a tale of something that's going on. So it feels like that. Um, also, meeting from the Midwest, I remember a story about one of my great uncles. Um, all Everyone was farmers. And I remember my one great uncle had, all of them read, but I believe my grandfather had a fourth grade education. Um, no one ever went on to higher education. I don't even think high school. And they all worked on the farm. And uh, my great uncle had a library. I remember we used to go to his house for you know, they had get-togethers, family get-togethers. And we went to his house. He had like a library and um, lots of books. I don't remember what books there were. My grandfather kept books. He read these really cheesy series that were in the bookshelves, there were shelves above the uh, washer and dryer. And so he would have those uh, books up there. I remember grabbing, I remember reading one one time. <laughs> They're those short little, what was called like the executioner. Like it's one of those short little 200 page series, but they're very violent. Uh, they're very, um, let's say misogynist, misogynistic. And I remember reading it going, this is what my grandfather reads. I do. And then he kind of caught sight that I was reading the books that he was reading. Was, I remember the last time I read them. I didn't, wasn't interested in one. That he had one that had a, a pirate or something. So, um, but anyways, oh, give me one second. So then, um, uh, the one I remember is my great uncle had a, a library and a, a room that it was a library and filled with books. And I remember them saying that he was one that they had wished had been able to go on to school and had not been a farmer. Um, because, um, but because he was like a, it reminds me of what she described like the, the father wanted to go but could not go, but that the son carried you know that that thing where he the, the art, art art within him and so the father sent him away um and i remember them saying that about one of my great uncles that they wish they had been able to do that for him that he had been able to go on in higher education that's where, where he belonged he was more of an an academic he was a gentle i guess a gentleman farmer <laughs> what they would call him now and then to know that the son went away and then never came back and he never 
Um, and he said, that's okay. He'll keep going because he knows the voyages are perilous and long. And so he sits in front of his postal cards and dreams. So there we go. Guess what? I'm just reading one today. But um, yeah, I really like that one. So we'll continue with this series. Thanks for listening. Bye.